For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am very excited to be joined today by digital correspondent Jessica Kleinschmidt. Jessica is one of my favorite follows on Twitter because not only is she incredibly knowledgeable about baseball, but she's also incredibly funny. She talks about dealing with social media trolls, the litmus test she uses before sending anything out into the social media universe, her most controversial baseball hot take, and so, so much more. You guys are going to absolutely love this podcast. It is entertaining and inspirational, and Jessica is all around fantastic. We are brought to you by Favor Apple Cider Vinegar, and without further ado, get my job with Jessica Kleinschmidt. All right, Jessica, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, absolutely. I love following you on Twitter. I love your work. Uh, So this is a big treat for me. I know many of your coworkers that I work with on the 49ers, so it's just doubly exciting. And obviously, everybody has wonderful things to say about you. Oh, that's nice. It's always a a good thing to hear. Uh, So thank you. I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. I agree. I agree. I'm looking forward to it too. And I'm, I, I am so jealous like that nobody, or I guess I'm not jealous that nobody gets to work with JLC and Matt Mayoko. That makes me like very, very excited. Like that sucks. I get them all to myself. So oh, yeah, <laughs> they're, the they're so much fun. Matt Mayoko is like a really big mentor for me. Um, mm-hmm. he, I run so many things past him and he's the best and JLC also, and I have become very good friends. And when I first started on the 49ers beat, she really like, you know, showed me the ropes. It was awesome. Right. So they are two pretty awesome ones. So agreed. It's, it's good stuff. Um, but today is all about you, Jessica. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to just jump right in. So you obviously cover baseball. I am myself. I'm a huge, huge baseball fan. And so I get very excited by fellow baseball fans. When did that become your favorite sport? You know, it was probably when I was 12 years old and I when I, before that my little brother was playing little league and I loved my parents cuz they were amazing about, you know, we'll support you no matter what you want to do. They never forced us to, you know, play sports or do instruments or do any sort of extracurricular activities, but they did want us to be active whether it was in the community or something. Mm-hmm. So my, I went to my I was still figuring out what I wanted to do, but we went to my little brother's little league game and I was sitting in the bleachers and my dad was like, "Hey, can you just be a team player, literally play right field? We need, uh, or, or else we forfeit. And at the age of nine, eight years old, you don't want to teach kids about forfeiting. So they found, they got me a Jersey. I played for, I think it was the white Sox or something. 
And, oh, you have uh, insurance. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I I put on a jersey, and, and he's like, so this is how you have to warm up. I warmed up, and I threw the ball, and I don't know what it was, but it felt like uh, like I was being born again. So I threw the ball and I looked at my dad, who was our coach. And he was like, Oh no, I created a monster. And (laughs) all right. So when I was, (laughs) when I was 11 years old, um, that's when I kind of was confused because I didn't know that there was women's sports. I just thought it was all guys. And so my dad signed me up the next year and I just got addicted. And I was actually the first girl to ever make 11, 12 all-stars in um, Little League in Reno, which was uh, well, Valley Providence Little League in Reno. And it was just, it was cool. And I loved you know the, like playing with the guys. My little brother and I got to be on the same team for about three years. And we, we, we you know, I was the first baseman. He was the second baseman. We threw second p- double plays. And even if we were fighting, we would still just play great. And, you know, it was a really cool bonding moment for me and my father, who unfortunately passed away when I was 19. Um, but it was just really cool. We had the baseball thing in common. And as time went on, of course, you know, I knew I couldn't be a professional baseball player. So I was like, well, I love to talk and I love to write why not try to turn this into a career and another monster was born. So it's kind of like that. But um, I kind of like knowing that I at least played a little bit of, of baseball and I eventually played softball. But for me, I feel like the baseball roots were there. And I feel like I, I can never say that I played as many years as some of my colleagues who go from playing to be an, an analyst, but I can at least say that I tried, you know, so it just I feel like that kind of puts me in, in a different mentality, a different perspective to respect the game and respect the old school stuff and especially respect the players. So it was just a girl at 11 who was forced to play in right field. And here we are now. And here we are today. That's fantastic. What an awesome story. Yeah. Did you cover baseball in high school? Did you for your high school paper or college paper, anything like that? Actually? No, I didn't even really, I, I wrote a lot of stories in school, but I just was, I don't know why I think I just was obsessed with playing and, just going to school and doing what I needed to do. And it wasn't until I wrote just a fun blog, probably seven or eight years ago. And that's, that kind of got discovered. And it was just me kind of just farting around and writing about the A's. And, and that's when um, I kind of got my first start. And that was just mainly just for me just to write about, I never even thought I'd actually do it. Um, But then once I did and realized like you can actually get a following and get people to read your work and watch your stuff and everything like that. That's kind of when enough that other, you know, kind of monster was born and I got discovered and I was on this website. And that was, of course, you know, I'm sure you can relate. You didn't really care about getting paid. You just wanted to get your byline on something. And that was a really cool moment for me. And, you know, I just kept getting discovered, but it was just kind of this small little blog that turned into this career. So that's a really cool like thing to look back on. This uh, Fangirl Sports Network actually started as a blog as well. It started as a blog that I just one day started for the fun of it called The Trials and Tribulations of My Love-Hate Relationships with the San Francisco 49ers. Love it. Um, Which was wordy. And what was really funny is um, a relationship um, with the San Francisco 49ers. And what was really funny about it is the website was trialstribblog.com. And Mm -hmm. my Twitter was at trialstribblog. And... I eventually changed that to Fort Niners Fangirl and everything, but it was, I mean, that's really what it started with. And um, I loved that name. It was Wordy for a blog. Oh, yeah. Wordy's always good though. I feel like you have a lot to say, like, why not say, obviously it's different when you're thinking of SEO and headline purposes, but yeah. at the same time, like when you don't 
have anybody to report to, like go crazy, you know, like do it. That's the fun part about it. Um, and that is how Fangirl Sportsnet was was born. And then it became 49ers Fangirl. And then we grew from there and here we are. So I just, I want to highlight that, um, from you saying that me saying that just because this podcast is very much for women who want to work in sports, who do work in sports. And I want people to know that that's, you just got to start doing it. And like the beginning can't necessarily worry about getting paid. You just, you just got to start. Yeah. And you kind of like have to be a little bit like have like humility too. like, like don't feel bad about posting your work or creating content and pushing it out there. A, you're showing off like you want people to read it and that could be prospective people to hire you or just developing a fan base. But sometimes you can get the critics, which are both good and bad, right? And mm-hmm. you get a situation where you know what people want to see and you can, you know, kind of cipher out who not necessarily genuinely wants you to be good, but what your readers want to read compared to just like the rude trolls. And and that was a very quick type of lesson that I learned, but I couldn't have done that just like doing it the old fashioned way. And I'm kind of glad that I was thrown out in the water and kind of fend, fend for myself. And I'm kind of glad I did it that way, but everybody has their own own way of doing it. And I want to talk more about trolls in a little bit, but first I want to know, so you, you write this piece, you write, you start the blog and then it grew from there. What was the next step after that? Um, it was, I think it was a Twitter follower who reached out to me and he was like, Hey, I have a website, but it's, it was in October. So I, I had written my last, you know, obviously baseball blog of the season. And he told me, well, you could write a football article and it would be fantasy football. And of course, you know, I think I'm an amazing fantasy football player because mm-hmm. I beat my father and my brother. So I'm like, oh yeah, I got this. Like no problem. And it was like a top 10 tight ends to start on your team next se- next week or something like that. And it was a really cool experience only because, um, and it, I can kind of mirror that with NBC sports because I don't just write about baseball every day. And mm-hmm. I'm glad I got to be able to do that to write about, especially I think it was tight ends. And that was a really unique position to write about. And I really mm-hmm. like that too. And um, people actually lifted, listened to my advice. And then, you know, the next week they won. And then that kind of sparked something in me as well. And so I was writing for eSports for about a year. And and I would kind of come and go with it. And um, the person who discovered me kind of developed and he got with another website, which ended up being like a one-off of MSN Sports. And that was really cool because you know, you eventually get your byline on MSN sports. And that was really awesome. And then another addiction was formed and I was freelancing. And that's when MLB.com cut four reached out, which was funny because I was freelancing for about six months. And I was like, why am I doing this? And this was after I quit my government job thinking I could just walk into this and it'd be fine. And I was on the phone with one of my closest friends, Melanie Newman. She just got a job being um, a play-by-play broadcaster for the Orioles, the first woman to ever do this. Oh, and, yeah. And I was on the phone with her and I was like, Hey, Melanie, like I, you know, what? I gave it six months. I think I'm good. I'm going to try to go back to my government job or do whatever. As I'm complaining to her about wanting to quit cut four was on the other line offering me a job, but I didn't know it. It was a New York number. I'm like, Oh, cool. Another robo caller. And it was a message from the interview that I did. And he gave me his cell phone number, Ian K. And I was like, why would he give me his cell phone number if it wasn't something important? And so I called him back and he offered me the job and I was just elated. And that was probably my most fun job I've ever had was at Cut4. And, and that's when NBC recruited me because they liked like how it was like different. And it was fun. And they wanted to bring that to NBC Sports, which was I'm trying to do very, very hard. But 
-hmm. that's kind of the the short version of it all in between a lot of wine and tears and, you know, talks with Jesus, like a lot of those types (laughs) of things. And, you know, a lot of self-doubt, which I feel like is the best and worst thing that you could have toward yourself. And, you know, quitting my government job was also the best and worst thing that I probably could have done at the time. But it's just... I'm very thankful for it. And I realize you have to be kind of a stupid freak of nature to pursue this industry, as I'm sure you all know. Um, But I'm glad I did it. So that was a, you kind of, I'm kind of like sitting here like, damn, that was a hell of a journey. So it's just kind of stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I'd love to talk for a minute about the wine and the tears and the self-doubt, because I think that we can all relate to that. And we all feel that during those times, what was it that kept you going on this path and saying, I'm not going to give up? Uh, besides the wine, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, you really have to find a support system and you have to have a balanced support system. And that has to be people that do work in sports and people that don't. Uh, my best friend for almost 20 years doesn't like, doesn't like, doesn't hate baseball, but she married a Yankees fan and that's about as good as her baseball knowledge gets. And I needed that. And, and she, but she believed me, believed in me from the beginning. And she was like, you're going to do it. Even when I was struggling, when I had no, no, cash flow or anything like that. And even my mom, like the cool thing about her is when I complain, she's always like, I don't know why you're complaining. You're going to be fine. And, and she's always been right. I've always been fine. And, you know, I have the Melanie Newmans of the world and the other friends that I've made along the way, uh, both before and after I had my success. And I feel like those are very important too, but you really just have to like believe in yourself. And I've always had this mentality. I'm from Reno, Nevada, which is a very small town and I'm in a small community in that town. And I've just always felt like the black sheep. And when I was younger, I hated that about myself. I wanted to be the girl who got married and had kids. And I just, it just wasn't happening for me. Like whether it was not finding the right guy, or I just, just like, didn't want to be, you know, settled down or tied down. And instead of, it took me a long time to be like, well, a black sheep could also be a unicorn, you know, and a Mm -hmm. unicorn's majestic and they do their own thing and they're hard to catch, but they live their lives and they do what they need to do. And they're so different, but that's what makes them beautiful and unique. And, and that was what I had to remind myself. The reason why the Katie Nolans of the world and Sarah Spain's of the world are so successful is because they were the black sheep of their group and they're authentic. And that's so important in an industry where that's not a thing, you know? And so it was kind of just me reminding myself that it's a bigger, it's bigger than just baseball. It's bigger than just sports. It's, it's about developing a platform and doing it for myself. Like I said, I was going to, when I was 12 years old and of course doing it for my late father, who was a huge inspiration to me, who was great about, you know, he was an old school guy, but he wanted me to be independent and he wanted me to do it all on my own. And I'm glad that I did. And a lot of times too, it is about doing it for the haters, the people that, call me awful names on the internet or the ex-boyfriends who said I would never do anything with my life or anything like that. You do have a smidge of that. You can't do it all toward them. But at the end of the day, it's all about for me because I'm the one who takes care of myself at the end of the day. And you really have to have a good relationship with yourself, but you can't get there overnight. It's definitely a journey because you have to know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And at the end of that tunnel is going to be you just so happy with who you are and you're able to go to sleep knowing that you, you put your beautiful self out there. And that has a lot to do with, you know, relationships and friendships. Cause if I meet you and I'm my authentic self and you don't like me, that's none of my business. But I know that like I was being the, the true Jess Kleinschmidt and I go to bed. Okay. Knowing that you don't like me, but it wasn't because I was fake or I was trying to please you. 
I was myself. And that that's a really big thing too, is I wanted to do it for my, my authentic self and know that this is genuinely what I wanted to do. And I think that ultimately is what kept me going was knowing I, I'm strong and I have the courage and there are people watching me and a lot of girls that are looking up to me and I can do that. I could do good by them, but I have to do good by myself. And I think that's such important. I'm so glad you say you said that because that is such important advice in life and in career. You have to be your authentic self. You can't be the next so-and-so you've got to be you because otherwise it just doesn't work. And if you're comfortable with yourself, if you're confident in yourself, and if you know that you are being authentic and behaving in a way that's appropriate to you, the yeah. rest of it you just can't control. And I, and I think about that too, like the people that I'm attracted to, whether it's friendships or relationships, I think of, I love people that are just like, hey, this is me. And, and they're not cruel about it. Like even if they're upset or they're sad or they're emotional, it's like, you know what, they're being themselves. And I love that I could, I could be myself around them. And if you're making yourself comfortable around somebody, that's a, the good, warm fuzzies too. And I feel like that stretches beyond the career. And I feel like if you can do that in all aspects of your life, like so many good things are going to come to you. Could not agree more. I'm really glad you said that. And I think that leads me into the conversation about social media trolls. You handle them beautifully. I mean, you really do. It's just incredible the way you do that. And it's something I've always uh, admired about following you. How do you do that? What tips would you have for someone, especially you, a young woman who is going to be in this industry? And listen, social media is part of it. It's just yeah. the world we live in. And there will be some horrible people. The first time someone called me trash on Twitter, I was like, I made it. This yeah. is officially made it. But it's still those kinds of things aren't easy to hear. So what are some tips you would have? And, and where did you really, you know, get the ability to handle it so well? The first tip I have is if you're upset, that's okay. Um, and I, I hate when the nine to fivers who don't work in social media say, you need to grow a thick skin. My skin, along with the rest of my body, is extremely <laughs> thick. I know what it's like to have thick skin. And so I talked to Julie DeCaro, and she's um, from Chicago, a uh, really wonderful radio host and sports sportswoman. She um, told me, like, it's okay to cry and be upset. And especially if it's complete strangers and you have to know like what your limits are. And, you know, luckily for me, I have such an amazing support system at NBC sports and I've, I've been threatened and I've had like really scary people that have come in contact with me and you have to know when um, to ask for help because if they threaten you, that's one thing, that's something completely different. And um, there's a, there's a group of A's fans who were actually quite awful toward me. And a lot of them, you know, I was I was harassed by them physically. I was physically pushed at the AL wildcard game last year and nobody witnessed it. So I couldn't really do anything. Yeah. And it's and it's the same people, they're the same people that like are rude to me on social media. And um, so it's it's you have to know that you're you need to be protected. So that means, you know, talking to somebody because Twitter is cool about suspending an account, but that is not gonna make them create not create another account. So you have to go to like HR and your people and NBC has been kind of amazing about that. On the flip side, I have gotten in trouble with certain employers who say that I should stop because I do sometimes get out of hand because I am a sass. I get very defensive and I get very emotional and that's both good and bad. I genuinely care because my, my brand is attached to my work and I don't have any kids. So my brand and my work is my baby. So if you're going to bash on that, I take personal offense to that. So of course I'm going to be defensive. 
usually it's if you if you kind of bash on yourself without self-deprecating too much that's a good thing too because you can kind of laugh at the troll and sometimes they just want your attention so um it's not too bad to kind of go from that um most of the time what i do is you do have to ignore them and that's a thing that i honestly just recently got into because i just don't have the energy and mm-hmm. i'm all about the positive poppies and stuff lately if somebody's going to be negative you know, whatever, but you also have to stand up for yourself in certain aspects. I got called, I, I was told, cause I, I got a report from a source the other day saying that when baseball would start and I agreed with Trevor Plouffe, who's a former A's player. Now he's a part of the media. And I agreed with his uh, timeline about when baseball would return. And so I said, for what it's worth, um, I heard the same timeline, this troll out of nowhere said, Oh, who did you sleep with to get wrong information? Turns out my information was true because if you look at the reports, that's what they're working on. Mm-hmm. So they would never actually back up the statement saying, oh, shoot, you're right. And so that's a little bit different. I get a little scared because I don't want people thinking like I genuinely go out and sleep with people for my job because that's already a bad thing that women have to deal with. And, you know, I put a lot of, I guess, energy into what I look like. And I don't want to just show up kind of looking schleppy. I want to look cute when I go to games. And that's just because I want to feel pretty about myself. That has nothing to do with showing up and and doing it for anybody else but myself. And I just don't want that perception to be in me. Because the moment somebody puts that online, Joe Schmo, whoever it is, could read it and and get whatever. And that happens a lot. Like somebody would say, like, if I'm writing about Joey Votto, they'd be like, oh, she has a crush on Joey Votto. And somebody would twist that and say, oh, Jessica's sleeping with Joey Votto. And somebody would respond saying, well, it doesn't matter what, that she's doing that. I just liked the article. So that person, those that's three people that think I'm sleeping with Joey Votto. And this happens all the time. So you have to, you know, be true to who you are. And I got I need to like press that into people's minds because I, I struggle with that myself. You know, it's not true. And, mm-hmm. but you do have to let the people in your life know, and that means managers, that means friends, that means your bosses, that means corporate, that means HR, you do, they need to know something's going on. Luckily, my HR people know because both I have been harassed and I have been a little bit too mouthy. So you do have to be careful with that, but you can have some fun with it too. Sometimes it's just like, literally they, they're trying to mansplain you, but you've already, or just say, read the damn article. I wrote what you're mansplaining to me in the damn article. Like just read it, you know, and have fun with that. But you know, also don't take any crap because we're all in this together type of deal. But it's just not fair because I I hate when you're told constantly to ignore it. But I hate when you're told you need to stand up for yourself, you got to find a balance. And if you are in a bad mood, stay the F off Twitter, because it's just going to ruin it. And it's so easy to say. But you know, and sometimes what I'll do is I'll like tweet my friends, like, this is what I want to say to this guy, but I know it's going to get me fired. So I'll just mm-hmm. text it to you and you get that you get it out of your system. Or I will sometimes just tweet and you can search. I'll sometimes just tweet no comment. And, and that gets the tweet, the Twitter kind of addiction out. And mm-hmm. I didn't get myself in trouble and it's good. So I didn't say anything and that won't get me in trouble because I had, I literally wrote no comment. So there it is. I do the texting to friends frequently. It's very therapeutic. Unfortunately, we're addicted to social media, right? It just is what it is. Totally. Like, this is what I want to tweet, but I'm not going to, but now you, at least you know it. (laughs) At least you know it's funny. Um, So I totally get that. But that's, that's horrible uh, that you were physically harassed. I mean, honestly, the social media harassment is also terrible, but the physical harassment is, 
is awful. Uh, and I'm sorry you went through that. And were there any channels to do anything about it? Or you said no one saw it, so you weren't able to? I, I told the, the, the right amount of people, but it wasn't, you know, I was being just t- typical Jess where I just wanted to get a story done. Like I was so in the moment, I was like, cool, I got, I got pushed, but like, and he was also like, just like talking crap. And it was just, I should have been more proactive about it, but I wasn't. And it didn't scare me enough to where I thought I needed to say anything. Um, but it was kind of weird. Cause he was like literally holding his child when he did it. And, and it's just, it's just weird, weird stuff. But, and it's also kind of painted like a bad, a bad taste in my mouth for certain fan bases. And that's, that's kind of, that kind of sucks too. Like, but I mean, it just is what it is, but, um, the right people knew and they knew what happened. Um, but they were aware of it that of course nobody saw it. So they couldn't like, and that's just how it is. Right. Um, but there's been situations where even if nobody saw anything, I've had amazing support systems where they've been like, we don't, we believe you. And that's just phenomenal to hear as a woman in the industry where a guy would send me inappropriate messages, who's a front office member. And I would, I would tell somebody and they, they didn't even have to say, well, what were you doing? Or they were just like, we believe you and we'll take care of it. And that was just a phenomenal thing to happen to me too. So there are good things that come out of, you know, putting like complaining and, and putting reports out there too. And there are good people. And I think that's, you know, I think most people are good. And I think in our industry, there are a lot of really good people. And so for every bad instance, uh, there are a lot of good ones. And so I think that gives us hope because otherwise it would be like hard, you know, to keep, keep going through it. But I think for the most part, you know, there are a lot of good people and it's good to know that there are good people that support you. And, you know, just as much as I want, there's a question I hope eventually women never get asked, which is how did you become a sports fan? Because (laughs) no one asks a man that. I also would like women never, ever again to get asked, well, what did you do? Yeah. And those are, you know, the, the latter probably being much more important, but, um, you know, and thank you for sharing that story with us because I also think it's important to to know these things and know they happen and be on alert and, you know, be aware and know how to handle them and, and you handle them well. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, before we move on, we are going to quickly take a break to hear from our sponsor. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily Favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First-time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. All right, Jess. So kind of going a little bit along the line of what we talked about before the break, uh, I was going to ask you a misstep you see women making when trying to break into the sports industry. And it could very well be related to what we just talked about, or it could be something else entirely. Okay. So your choice. Guest choice. Is it some, Is there a misstep that you see, whether it be dealing with social media trolls or with inappropriate uh, situations in the field, or just generally women coming up in the sports industry. And honestly, it may not just be women. It could be people coming into the sports industry. I feel like social media could play a part. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I, I feel like that's not, I think that's everybody. So let's say for instance, like I, if I didn't work for a corporate or place like NBC sports, I would, my Twitter might be different. You know what I mean? And, um, and I'd be a little bit more free and stuff like that. But I think a mixture of where I work for, who I work for, I'm actually glad I work for a place that I have to be careful because it's just, it keeps me off social media a lot more. Um, but I also feel like the missteps that happen are sometimes aren't missteps until you've created them. And, and that's mistakes, right? You know, that's why I have a lot of young women that I look, that look up to me is I can give them advice because I've effed up so many times and I didn't think that they were F ups until it was kind of sometimes too late, but also sports media and, and the different ways that we're, I guess, creating things it's so new to people that were allowed to get away with things a little bit more controversial which I think is kind of beautiful and Mm -hmm. and that's good but it's also like because we can express ourselves but there are there are lines like even just from like me personally like I do like to keep a lot of my personal life as private as possible just because eventually I want to have a husband and kids I don't want them you know getting any involved like all my nephew and nieces photos I make sure that, that that's on a private account because I I would hate for somebody to recognize them out in public. And I'm not saying I'm a big public thing, but it's, you know, people are weird on social media and people track down phone numbers on social media and stuff. So I think missteps are both av- avoidable, but very important too. So I feel like it's only a difficult question to answer because I'm very thankful for the F-ups and missteps that I've done. Well, that's fair. And I think, you know, one thing we talk about a lot on here and generally is, of course, you learn from your failures um, yeah. and those, those missteps sometimes do. You hope that you don't make a misstep that really adversely affects your life, uh, your career. I don't think you ever would. But, I, you know, I think that's it is important to be OK with that. And I think that's an important piece of advice in itself. Like it is OK to mess up. You're not going to be perfect yeah. all the time. You're not going to get it perfect all the time. And it's okay. The world will not come crashing down and you will make it through. Yeah. And I feel with, with social media lately, it's more or less like, I feel like, and I'm still trying to figure it out because, you know, I, I'm very protective of my personal relationships. I want to have a certain thing. Like if I would never tweet this to my grandmother or text it to my grandmother or send a photo of this to my grandmother, probably shouldn't go on social media. And that is very, that's an excellent litmus test. Yeah. And I know because my grandma, I feel like, and maybe my grandma's not the right, because my mom, my mother would be like, whatever, like, she's great with, she's so chill and like down with everything. But so maybe something like that, or your father, or just think about like the most proper person who gets offended very easily in your life. Maybe have them in the back of your head every now and then. Like, would they would they be okay with this? Probably not. Or even just like your work. Would you ever send this to your boss? Hmm. Think about that. Yeah, think about that. That's a. I think that's a great litmus test. And I think maybe you just really you kind of just answered the question. I mean, really, like that's just a good litmus <laughs> test for anybody, especially with social media. Like you want because you can delete it, but it's still out there. Yeah. And I, and if it's one thing I know, it's like, I love, I, I push the buttons. I really push the buttons and knowing that I'm like a little bit nervous to send things. What's that telling you? You know, like usually I just don't care. I just fire away, 
but I'm kind of glad in the last year I've had a lot of restraint because girl, if I didn't, Lord knows. Well, so it's it's good. And it's good to know the boundaries on that one as well. I think that's important. Um, But, uh, you know, along those lines, you're very funny and it works. You're welcome. And it really works well in your sports coverage. Did you, is that something you fine tuned? Was that something that you were like, oh, I'm funny and I know a lot about sports and I can combine these two things? I think I'm, I'm more funny than I'm more sports. And I, and it's funny because I was thinking about that today. Like, it's so difficult to find that balance. And I, I want to say because people come to me for advice or anal- analysis or obviously news. And for me, who's such a smart ass, it's so difficult for me to find that balance. But that was just me kind of training myself. And that's, you know, it depends on if like if it's a podcast like this, I can be a little bit of both, you know, um, mm-hmm. but, you, you know, at the same time, though, I don't want to be too reporty where I'm like, ew, this does not sound like Jess. Like, what are, what are you doing? You know, you want to be Jess. And even in my writing, like, I want to be funny and real. And I want somebody to read it. If they, if they didn't see my byline, I wanted them to be like, oh, I'm pretty sure Jess wrote this. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, I want it to be like, you and I are, are like out having a couple beers, a couple glasses of wine. And we're talking about, we're having like a really fun, kind of intelligent, sexy conversation about sports. So I can be quirky and funny, but I want you to leave like learning something or I taught you something. So it's more about just like kind of being authentic and, you know, shoving a few little dad jokes in there or being like kind of my sass self, but also maybe I'll throw like a a slash line in there or tell you this really funny story that I, that I talked about when I interviewed Chris Davis or anything like that. So it's, it's kind of being yourself with, you know, making sure there's a balance there, but it's really hard to get there because it's no different. Like when I tweet something out and I'm being a smart ass and I get, and sometimes I'm like, well, of course they're going to mansplain me. I look like an idiot. Like, you know, like people don't actually, like, of course I know how MLB is spelled. Like I know that, but it's like, you know, just stuff like that. And, and you have to kind of have an open mind with that. Not everybody's going to get it. And you, and you can be open with them too. Like, I'm so sorry. I was trying to be funny. And I don't think the I don't think the send off was right. I shouldn't have said it that way. And also I'm a very firm believer in bringing out like maybe some metallics to make tweets a little bit more sarcastic looking because people are crazy. So it's just kind of like that. But I I definitely like the idea of being funny before I like sports because I feel like you can do a lot more with that. Um, Because like I like the personality part where they maybe don't care about the sports as much as they just want to hang out with me for a few minutes. You know what I mean? So I think Mm -hmm. that's it's kind of cool too. So it's, it's hard to find a balance, but you eventually do. Just a side note, when bars are open again, let's go and have a couple glasses of wine and have a really funny conversation about sports. I yeah. love it. I am so cool. down. Yes. That in. Um, I had I, a couple weeks ago during the last dance, I was so proud of myself because I'm, I know I'm funny in life, but I don't think I'm always funny on Twitter and that's okay. Like, but I'm funny on Instagram. So I've got, I've got like dead now. I sounds like I have like seven, you know, all my little social media personalities, but um, it's, it's very funny. So a couple weeks ago during the last dance, when there was that line where you can show me whatever you want, but I'm, you're never going to convince me he wasn't an asshole. Yeah. I had this moment where I was like, Oh my God, I have something so funny. <laughs> I tweeted it and said how I feel about all my exes or most of my exes. Yeah. And it got such a good response. And I was like, I had my funny Twitter moment. I was so proud of myself. It's because so you didn't overthink it. It was just I like did. a natural, the natural thing. And it was relatable. And people are like, you know what? She's right. Cause same, you know what I mean? 
Yes, yeah. <laughs> totally. What was yeah. funny is then I posted that on Instagram and one of the said exes liked it. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> that's so satisfying. <laughs> I love that. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's good. That's yeah, so, so that good. Was good. Sorry, that was an aside. This is not about me. This is about you. But I just felt no. You- I'm so glad you shared that story. That's phenomenal. Um, so I would like to know a couple, a couple current event things um, before we, you know, move into some of the other questions I have. First of all, how confident are you that there will be a baseball season? I did see your comments the other day, but would just love to know how confident you are. Um, I got to be honest, I'm extremely confident and I wasn't confident probably until about three or four weeks ago. Um, at the, at the beginning I was like, hell no, this is not going to happen. And I guess my worry is, is they're going to like kind of get it started and they're going to be like, no, probably not a good idea, but I really, um, I'm pretty confident in, um, just MLB and, and figuring stuff out, but I have the players backs so no matter what. I'm going to stand with them. If they don't feel comfortable, I will not take offense to that. I'm not going to be a member of the media who's like, oh, you have to do that or else we're not going to have anything to write about. I'll right. figure it out. I'll be okay. But also like work with me so we can do some more Zoom interviews because I would love that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We can work together to figure it out. But at the end of the day, um, I, I'm actually really, really confident. And that's weird. But I feel like they're making strides. and. Um, I just, I, I don't know what it is, but I really think it's going to happen. And even some of the players that I've spoken to, I mean, they're told to like, just stay in shape no matter what, but they're actually being told, be ready for that end of June, beginning of July date. And that's not breaking news necessarily. Gabe Kapler was very open about that. He's telling his, his kids, his, I guess they're kids, kids, his <laughs> players, his, they're like the same age as Gabe. Like, come on. Like they're the same. <laughs> He's telling his players to, to stay in shape too. So it's I'm hopeful only because like I'm so in love with the sport and just how I am at the field and everything like that and I'm okay with the adjustments too if I don't get to go to a baseball field at all this season I'm okay with that as well and that's going to be a fun adjustment for me and I get to teach myself new ways and I'm hopeful I really really am and I and I think MLB is making good strides to make sure that that happens that does make me happy because I have to say that if and I 100% have the players backs and yeah. get it 100% but my little heart would break if I never get to see Mookie Betts in a Dodgers uniform playing I would be so sad and it's okay that I won't get to see him live because that probably isn't gonna happen right. but I'm, I don't I am a big Dodgers fan um oh, okay yes I am I'm actually do you, do you openly go around the Bay Area saying that well so I actually you may not know this about me I'm based in Los Angeles I am from here I am from Los oh. Angeles and I am in the Bay Area very frequently obviously occupational right. hazard because I cover the San Francisco 49ers. Right. Um, but I'm based in Los Angeles and my grandparents got season tickets to the Dodgers when the Dodgers moved here. So I we- know I love the Dodgers. Obviously I can't come around, go around the Bay area saying that, but I, I just, I just, I just love them. It's just like everything about them. I'm hopefully crossing my fingers. I have an interview with Oral Hershiser coming up soon. And I'm like hoping that actually happens, but we'll see. I, I was on a phone conference call with Vince Scully and I bawled my eyes out. It was just a beautiful, it was when he was retired and it was just a beautiful moment. I was like, Oh my gosh, Tracy, I was in the middle of a Starbucks and I was getting chills and I was crying oh. and it was just, a oh gosh, it was beautiful. It was the coolest thing. And the, the, place I was working for doesn't even know how big of a deal that was to me. And it was life-changing. It was just amazing. It's just a beautiful man just telling me stories. And I loved it. 
he is he is an incredible incredible man i was lucky enough to meet him once and he is just he's amazing he really he's incredible and i actually have a very good matt mayoko story story for you about the dodgers oh. uh, last fall game five of the division series which i'll try not to cry telling the story but as we may or may not remember the Dodgers lost to the, <laughs> to be world champion right. nationals, which I'm, I'd rather lose to the winner. So that was fine. But I was really, really sad. Um, and I tweeted, I know most of you hate the Dodgers, but I think most of you like me and your girl's really sad tonight. And Matt Mayoko replied to me on Twitter and said, I hate the Dodgers, but I think the world of you, Tracy, and I would never want you to be sad. Like, I'm a little, I'm honestly, I'm teary thinking about it right now. It was so sweet. And since we talked about Matt Mayoko in the beginning, I just felt the need to bring that up right oh, now. My chest, like what a precious baby angel. Like, I can't. Like, I, screenshotted it. I texted it to my dad and my brother who were equally devastated by the situation. Uh, well, maybe not equally devastated, but they were both. My brother definitely was and my dad was definitely upset. My dad said, that's one of the nicest things I've ever seen in my life. I'm oh tearing up That is the cutest thing. Like, But like, also, I'm not surprised. Like, but I'm exactly. not, what a wonderful, best. wonderful guy. Of course. He's the absolute best. So there's, there's our Matt Mayoko, Vin Scully love fest. And there's that. So oh that Matt is kind of like the Vin Scully of like 49ers beat reporting. I said that's it. Nice. You did. You did. And oh my, he's going to be real excited to hear that. That is like, that's the ultimate compliment. I it really say. is the Vince Scully of anything, like all day, all day. And he is. Matt Mayoko is the Vince Scully of 49ers yeah. reporting. Really well, is. Literally become a Matt Mayoko appreciation podcast. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. I am too. I think that <laughs> I'm all in on that one. Um, <laughs> so I have a question for you. And, um, going from it's funny because we're going from a really sweet moment to maybe it won't be a sweet moment but what is your most controversial baseball hot take um I the pretty obvious one that I'm very open about is I feel like um marriage proposals in the middle of a baseball game are shit they are the absolute worst I agree with that assessment and it's weird because I growing up I thought that's what my future husband's gonna do it's so sweet it's romantic but A, you're interrupting the damn game. B, you're putting extra pressure on him or her. You know, I'm diverse. I'm I'm a feminist. Do what you got to do. But to like do this in public and, and see, like, it's just trashy. And you want to, like, I feel like that's a slap in the face to love because you want to show strangers that you love this person and you want to kind of make a mockery of it. And that's just... That's just rude. And I just don't like that. Rude. And I was you know, just rude. <laughs> it's just like rude. I'm trying to watch the game, you know, and like I'm like I was I went to one of my friends, um, she was I got her a job with the Cardinals organization. And so she invited me out to go see her. It was in Peoria, Illinois, very small town. And um I was gonna help them out like throughout the first pitch and it was like a really cool thing. And later on they told me that they were gonna have me do in game interviews, which I was like fine with. And they were going to actually do a fake proposal like in front of me while I was doing an interview. And I was like, you would have gone, you would have have been very viral. I would have made such a stink. I would have had such Mm -hmm. a fit. And plus you see all those like fake, the fake kiss cams and stuff. And it's like, that's like a slap in the face too. I just feel like they're all fake and not real. And I love love. I know I don't come off that way, but 
it just to me is a big a big slap in the face but I think my big other big controversial hot take is a hot dog is a sandwich oh that is that so is a big if you want to kick me off the podcast now no, totally no, understand. you know what I actually don't have strong feelings the the marriage proposal I 1000% agree with you even though when I was a little kid, I pretty was pretty sure Chipper Jones was going to propose to me in the middle of the game. But since he didn't and I grew up, I realized that I would not want that at all. So I can I totally yeah. agree with you. Right. And that's what I was too when I was little. I was like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna throw out the first pitch and it's gonna be on the mound. And I'm like, if but you know what? Honestly, I feel like if I have the right husband, he's gonna have a sick sense of humor and still do it, just knowing how much I hate it. And I'm just gonna love him even more for it. Exactly. I think that that will be perfect. And then this hot dog situation, I'm going to be honest, I, and I know people feel really strong about this. I don't have strong feelings about whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich. I feel like it just like now, I think I like tweeted it out and it's like, I'm like, whatever about it, but I've tweeted it out so many times, like I have to do it. And my boss even made me write a blog on it for 4th of July last year. And it just probably one of my most well, my most like highest read articles I've ever written. But the one, I think the one thing I've noticed recently is I am very pro universal DH. And I don't think people are very happy with that, but that's because I'm romantic and I, I want to see Joey Votto play forever. And we got to see David Ortiz pay, play forever. I'm not ready for Albert Pujols to say goodbye. Hunter Pence would be a really great DH and they're probably going to implement that if there is a shortened season. And so I love it. I love a DH plus I'm an, I'm an, I'm an AL girl. So I'm used to the DH. So I just, I'm just, I don't think it's that big of a deal. You know, I don't think it's that big of a deal either, and maybe I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. And I also think when World's, the World Series comes around, I mean, I guess you could say, yeah, but when you're in an NL park and the pitcher has to hit, it's a disadvantage. But I think the advantage would be better if we could have a DH. Because even a great hitting pitcher and the great hitting pitchers of Glavid, Maddox, and Smoltz, I'm also a Braves fan in case that wasn't clear in this podcast. Yes, we all are. I was raised off of TBS growing up. I, you were all kind of Braves fans. Yes, yes. exactly. So even though those they were the silver slugging trio there, um, yeah. I think it would benefit everybody. So I don't have a problem with the universal DH. I don't have a super it's strong interesting about it. being an NL team fan because NL, NL teams absolutely hate it. They absolutely. I don't have that. I don't have that strong feeling about it. I really don't. It doesn't bother me either way all that much. I really don't. I love the idea of a good hitting pitcher. I do love the idea when a pitcher like drives in a run and helps himself. There's something about that that I find very satisfying. But I'd also find it super satisfying if the bases were loaded and the DH came up and hit a grand slam. So. Feel like yeah. there's all kinds of things you can find. There's a lot of give and take because there's a lot of pitchers I talk to that don't even like that new, the new intentional walk rule because they think that there that could be altering too. So it's just there's always give and take, right? But I feel like the advantage is greater than the disadvantage in this case. I actually I agree with that as well. And as an NL girl, I may get I may get in trouble for I, I you know what girl no I I think you sh- I appreciate that it's you're different I don't think a lot of Dodgers fans are really mean to me yesterday about this but like I mean like like not like totally mean like definitely I'm, just like, no I feel like <laughs> they did not I was like well you know um but it was it was kind it was very interesting a lot of Giants because I wrote a Giants article about it because the Giants would be the most one of the most beneficial teams actually and mm-hmm. um no Giants fans. I mean, probably actually quite a few were like, okay, but most of them are like, no. And a lot of Dodgers fans were not happy with it. So good for you for standing your ground. You know what? 
I will stand my ground. I'm pretty good at doing that for the most part. I love it. Good for you. Thank you. Uh, I have a couple more. First of all, can you tell me about your t-shirt collaboration with Home Sweet Ballpark? Because I love the t-shirt and um, I want to know how that came about. So I actually had the idea. I I tweeted it out. um, I want to say two years ago. And I was obsessed with it. And it was, um, I, I usually call them pop flies, but that's not the actual term, but just like what I've been calling them for since I was, you know, eight years old. Um, and I've been trying to find the right people to, to do it. And I had one interested party, but they weren't really going to work with me as far as me getting paid. And I really liked the idea. So Home Sweet Ballpark is part of Ballpark Vibes. And there are a couple of girls that I've actually mentored and they're just, these up and coming young girls who are obsessed with baseball and they just pump out so many articles and, you know, I've helped them along the way and they started creating a t-shirt line. And so I talked to Megan, Megan Ellis, and she's the creator of all this. She's just so brilliant. And she was like, and I told her, I was like, Hey, like I have this idea, let's talk. And on, as we FaceTime, she created it. Like it was nothing. And she stayed true to giving me a chunk of it. And I gave a chunk to, and I donated it to, um, uh, Tony LaRussa's Animal Rescue Foundation. Oh, and, um, well, I mean, I, I'm really weary. But, like, animals are the best thing in the world because they, yeah. they, won't, they won't break up with you. They won't tell you, you know, they've met somebody else. Like, you're the loves of their lives. So I wanted to go toward them. I'm obviously open to any other charities that people want or, you know, I'll do whatever. But um, and they stayed true. And I got like the right amount that they said they were going to give me. And I was very excited. And they've been selling like hotcakes. But it's also cool because it's all woman ran and it's young girls who are genuinely passionate about writing and blogging and learning about the sport and everything like that. So it's more than just this, this t-shirt, which I am very, very happy with. Um, But it's also like, I don't want people to think like I'm anti-love. I love love, but it's also like, hopefully you can find both, you know, you can catch feelings and a pop fly Uh a fly ball like nobody actually wants to make an error on a fly ball because that's like the worst the absolute worst it is the worst yeah so it's you know it kind of hits me in in a bunch of different directions but I love those girls they're absolutely phenomenal and you know they'll call me constantly asking for advice on writing or dealing with people or even you know bs on twitter they're curious about but I wanted to make sure that it was by women and strong women and independent women and they're like my little sisters and I'm so proud of them and I'm really glad that the way the, the way the shirt turned out so it was very dear to my heart it's a great shirt I'm gonna I'm gonna order one I actually meant to order one the other day and I don't know if this never happens to you on social media but I got distracted but I'm gonna be ordering one I just bought um, like two things on um from I don't even know where yesterday and it, it's just like I don't even there's so many things right now and like you have no, nothing but time to like buy stuff you know so true. It's, just, like, it's very true but I'm gonna get that shirt because it's adorable and, and I love it I really um, that. oh well you're welcome I, I appreciate that you made the shirt so it's a win-win for everybody uh, so, so before we get into five fun facts, if you are open to sharing with us, I would love for you to take us uh, on a day in the life. And it could be a day in the life right now under the current circumstances. And let's, in fact, let's do that because I think it's interesting for people to learn how different people are in quarantine, how they work and all that kind of fun stuff. Okay. So we do both normal day and quarantine day. Sure, let's do, let's do both. Or why don't you do quarantine and then tell us how it differs from your normal day? For sure. So quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. So quarantine is, uh, I was lucky enough because before I got with NBC, I was working from home. So for me, the adjustment wasn't too bad. Um, and I'm very thankful for that. 
So my day in quarantine, I wake up, um, I'll work out, whether that means like I'll do a bar class online or um, I'll go for a run or something like that. And then I have my coffee because I love my coffee mm-hmm. and um, I'll shower and then get ready for work. And I'll put like, I always wear, I try to like once or twice a week put makeup on because I do just not necessarily like want to do it because I have Zoom calls, but I, I like to feel good about myself. And I... I work with like mainly dudes and they don't understand that and that's okay. Um, But also, you know, I just, I want to feel like I'm somewhat made up. So I'll go to my little desk, which is at the corner of my room and I'll just work. And, and it's cool because I can, you know, take small breaks and and cook while I bring my computer out, which is really nice and, and all of that. And then I just do that. And then after work's done, I usually have FaceTime dates with like my girls or, you know, checking with my family and, um, Maybe I'll have like a bumble date that I'm doing or something like that. And that's a glass of wine and I'll make myself a, a drink or something and I have dinner and that's, that's my day. <laughs> um, usually I'll, or I'll read and I'll, I'll do some journaling and stuff and I'm definitely trying to find other things to do. Um, but you know, I'm what it's quarantine. So it's difficult, but I'm trying to embrace like going on walks and stuff like that. But yeah, that's, that's a quarantine day. And that's like completely different from my normal day. Cause normal days I live out in the East Bay. So I have to ride the train into the city. And so I'm either in this, in the office, which is the studio. And I'm uh, working at my desk there for my eight hour shift and I'll take my break and I'll walk to Whole Foods. I miss those walks to Whole Foods and I'll have, you know, my, my lunch. And then I miss my boys too. Like usually when I'm working in the office, I get, there's too much like masculine energy so I miss my girls but I really miss my boys these days so it's just like I just miss hanging out with them and um so I'll do that or if I have an A's game to cover I'll go to the the Coliseum and I'm there three hours before um which I was talking about this recently it's kind of funny that the games are often the last thing that we remember actually occurs for baseball because we're we're writing, we're doing all this. So I'll, I'll get there like three hours early, um, set up and my setup is big. So I, I sit on the opposite side of all like the smart people. Cause I like all my room. Cause I'm usually changing out of my tennis shoes into my heels and like getting my makeup ready. Um, if I have a TV hit, I'll do that. And then I'll write up an article heading into it, get all my interviews done, go on the field, watch some batting practice for both teams, um, and do all of that stuff and then get ready for the game. So I'll do the game. And then after that, I do post game and get my quotes, whatever I need from the pitcher and everything like that, write up and then I'll go home and then write another article before I go to bed. And I love those because I never, I don't feel tired until like 1130, maybe actually it's even later than that, maybe one o'clock in the morning. So that's the one thing I miss the most, but um, it's, I don't miss having the commute because it just takes so much out of you. And it's BART, so it's kind of gross sometimes. Um, but that's the, the my favorite thing is when I go into work, that's when I read. And, you know, I read for a living pretty much. So I don't want anything to do with books on my ride home. I'm, like, I'm not reading a damn thing. I don't care how inspirational Oprah says this book is. I can't do it. Um, so I'm just going to be listening to crappy music and maybe a podcast and stuff like that. Um, so that's, that's a day in the life of Jess, but, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool to figure out other things that I, I haven't had a chance to do during the quarantine time. So usually my life is so crazy and chaotic. I'm glad I can kind of unwind a little bit more now. We'll keep us posted if you come up with like a new hobby or something fun that we all should try. Oh, I definitely will. 
definitely let us know. Well, before you go, I am going to go through five fun facts with you. Uh, as you probably know, I do these with the 49ers players. And so now we do them every week on this podcast. And I ask everybody the same five questions, which has been awesome because we get five very different answers every week, which right. is great. So if you are ready, I will start. I'm ready. What is your favorite moment in sports? I, this is like the most difficult question to answer. And that's a good thing because I've been so blessed. Um, but I think the most recent one I'd have to say is with Dallas Braden. Um, Dallas has become, I don't even know how to describe, like I looked up to him as just as a player. He threw his perfect game uh, 10 years ago around this time, almost to the day. And I just remember watching it happen and just looking up to him, just like I said, as a player. And not only has he become a colleague, he's really become a friend of mine. And so I had an interview with him via Zoom and we asked, I asked him about the perfect game and he gave me like a, just an amazing interview. And um, while we were done with the interview, we were just kind of talking and I was really struggling at the beginning with quarantine and he just talked me through it. And I was, you know, going through some depression and some anxiety and he was just like, you're okay, Jess. He's like, you're so good at your job. You're doing amazing. I'm proud of you. I'm here for you. And he's just like, I'm here if you ever just need to call me. And then not even two weeks later, I need another quote from him. And we did the same thing after I was done recording. He just sat me down and was like, are you okay? Do you need anything? And like Dallas is just this bigger than like larger than life person. And so when we had our zoom interview, there was, um, it was, you could see my desk, obviously we're doing it from my room. And there was a picture of my dad on there, a baby picture of me with my dad. And I had it there since I moved into my new place about a year and a half ago. And I didn't realize that like my dad was in the shot and it was a big moment for me because the last MLB game was um, one that me and my dad went to when I was younger. And it, I think Dallas was on that team. And so um, it was just a cool full circle moment to know that Dallas, who's made such a big impact, not just in my career, but my life, got to kind of share a shot with my dad. And, um, and I wish they'd be able to get to know each other because Dallas has just been such a savior for me and just such a good friend to have. So that's probably my most favorite moment that I've had. Um, and it just happened like a month ago. So that's kind of a beautiful thing. That's incredibly beautiful, incredibly special. Thank you for sharing that with us. What is your life motto? Just to be authentic. Um, I think it's very simple but it's difficult to go by. Uh, Field Yates once told me right when I got in the industry, he was just like, you just need to be yourself. And I was like, that, that's your advice field. Like, come on, like we're, we're effing ESPN. And it, he was right. It was the one thing that I stayed true to. And it's the reason why I am here today. So just be authentic and true to yourself and really amazing things will happen. What is your go-to workout? I'm really into bar classes right now because um, I can't I go to them. They're just really fun. And I'm not like a, a ballet person, but like they're, they kick your butt, man. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely in a bar and like I'm really enjoying my my runs. Um, but I, I do miss just the gym. Like I had my little go-to routine. I miss, um, you know, my elliptical and I let, miss the stair stepper and everything like that. But anything that'll give me a really good sweat, I'm super into. You're, you mentioned you love your coffee. What's your go-to coffee order? Um, it's always, it's usually iced coffee. I'm super into iced coffee. Um, but except for like first thing in the morning, I need my warm cup of coffee, but if I'm at a Starbucks, it's usually going to be a vanilla chai or, um, 
recently I like I became one of those asshole customers that like, Ugh, but this person's like, really, that's your order. And it's, like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, a, it's basically just an iced um, espresso, but there's uh, vanilla, there's almond milk with vanilla syrup in it. And oh. it just jacks me up. And it just makes me so happy and I can chug it super quickly. And it's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, And then last, and now I think I might know the answer so we could change it from book to podcast. We ask a book every woman should read, but maybe there's a podcast every woman should listen to or an album every woman should listen to. We can switch. The podcast I'm really excited to talk about. It's called um, Modern Love. And they they made it into an Amazon, um, I guess, show series. And and it's basically, it's all these essays from a New York Times column and it's about love. So it's relationships and breakups and scary things that we all can relate to. And it's about, you know, sexuality and, you know, gender roles and everything like that and just everything. And they, and famous people read these columns like Jake Gyllenhaal's done it and uh, like, like, I think Kristen Bell's done it. And so they read these and then after they're done reading them, they talk to the person who actually wrote it, the person who, the famous person who read it, and then the editor of the column. And there's just always something that you can relate to because you can't, you, you read it or you listen to it and then you want to know, like, are they still together? What's going on? And this was in the New, the New York Times. So um, people want to know, like, did that person read it? The person that you wrote about and stuff like that. It's, it's so just heartwarming. So um, I, I listen to it constantly and it's so addicting. So that's definitely, because you can also read the actual columns mm-hmm. too. It's cool. And there's, like I said, an Amazon show series on it too. And I just, I swear by it. It's such a beautiful podcast. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. I'm going to check that out for sure. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jess. It was really fun to have you on. Yeah, no, I was, this is probably one of the most fun pod, podcasts I've ever done, like genuinely. Oh, thank you. Oh, wow. That, you, you just made my whole day. Thank you very much for that. And so guys, you heard what she said. It's one of the most fun podcasts she's ever done. So if you could rate us and leave a review and say something similar, if you're feeling it, that'd be amazing. And also make sure you're following us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And I will talk to everybody next week. Bye all. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.